0: Welcome to CineCast, a CineDeck podcast where we chat with outside-the-box thinkers that are changing the video industry. Take one. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, and joining me is Mike Nugget. He's a freelance colorist and finishing editor. Mike, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks Tyler, thanks for having me back. It's glad to get you back with you.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, you're a podcast veteran at this point. We uh, we spoke uh, late last year, I believe. Uh, so it's good to have you back and you're you're a podcast veteran now. Now you know how this goes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Starting to get that. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So, you you're, you've been a post-production specialist for over 10 years and you've worked in just about every genre you could possibly work in in the industry from TV and film also done documentaries all you have to do is just go to your website and you can kind of see the the breadth of the work that you've done across lots of different uh, lots of different genres and avenues Um, how does being both a freelance colorist and a finishing editor really kind of give you uh, I guess a broader sense of a project does that help give you an advantage at all
1: Uh, yeah absolutely I mean uh, the first thing I do when I when I either when I get contacted by a client is we obviously discuss the project they say how long it is what kind of genre it is then of course the first question is well what do you what would you like me to do on it because uh luckily i i've been working in the industry long enough where i, I have a, a couple different areas i specialize in like visual effects and finishing and coloring that i can offer the client those three things uh, more than three things really but it depends on what they want. Sometimes they want the whole package. They, they want me to do kind of a little bit of everything because they know I can do that. Or sometimes they'll just call me and say, you know what, we, we have somebody else doing the other stuff. We just want you to color and you'd be the main colors, which is fine with me too because that's that's one of the ones I love doing. Um, so, yeah, having a versatility and working in the industry so long it definitely helps. Um, I guess, have an edge over some other people who might be, you know, what someone might call one trick pony where they're just doing color or they're just doing finishing or they're just doing visual effects. So it definitely helps out to be versatile.
0: Absolutely, I think that's true, in, uh, and probably in a lot of different uh, areas. But yeah, um, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. So when it comes to some of these projects that you've worked on, like I said, you have a pretty vast catalog of things at, at this point, uh, working with networks like ESPN, doing documentaries. Uh, I think you have some stuff that you've done on Netflix as well. Uh, do you have any projects that you're particularly proud of that stand out in your mind, maybe as uh, stuff that, that you really enjoyed working on or that you, you still have like a soft spot for in your heart?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that sticks out was last year, uh, I had a short film in that was nominated for Academy Award called, called Edith and Eddie, um, which was really cool cause it was the first time I had something to go to the Academy Awards with. And it was really fun watching it at home with my wife and just saying like, Hey, look, you know, a couple shots that I worked on uh, were on t- you know TV in front of millions of people and in front of the industry at the Academy Awards. So that was really nice. Unfortunately it didn't win, but it was nice to be nominated. Um, so that was really good, and then, you know, one of my favorite ones was a, a, a series called Soundbreaking that I did uh, a number of years ago now, is Stories from the Cutting Edge of Music, I think that was the name, the full name of it, basically it was about the um, history, history of recorded music throughout, since like 1920 up until like literally years ago, so it had, I was a big Beatles fan, I'm a musician myself, so it had Sir George Martin was the executive producer on it, so they, it was really awesome seeing how like, they stripped down the beatles records into like you know this is the one track of of you know paul mccartney's bass and then they went through everything up to the wu-tang clan up to edm and everything in between it was really awesome to work on that just because being such a music fan and they got to interview basically i mean a, a, who's who of the music industry and it was really cool seeing that um i also worked on something really recently uh you um we talked about sports before like it was called um it was a Sports Illustrated piece about blind golfers and I just picked up golfing a couple of years ago so just the thought of golfing with my eyes closed is unbelievable and the way these coaches learned how to do that and then got the blind golfers to, to golf and they're, they're hitting in the same number that I'm hitting at right now and I'm fully you know bodied and I can see and everything so it's kind of an amazing thing like that so you know and then also working on like fiction things like the Americans and Quantico and, and some other films where I get I kind of get the best of every world like I get a documentary where I get to learn something that I don't know sometimes something's about environmental something about environment or, um, you know, women's rights in, in Africa. And then I get something sports related that I like then music musically that I like Then I get some fiction that you know, sprinkled in there and then, you know, so I, it's really nice being able to work on all the different uh, genres. It's, it's kind of like what kind of probably keeps me going with this. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And I think you're right. And kind of what you're describing reminds me of my job a little bit. I get to talk to people like you and I get to talk to people uh, that are engineers. And that's what I feel like every day I get to have interesting conversations and learn something. So in that way, how does every project that you work on kind of take on a life of its own? And Are any two projects the same? Uh, That's a good
1: question. A lot of people always ask that too. Um, It's kind of like they all have like the same... Think of like a car. They're all built on the same body, but as soon as you leave that body, you got different tires, you got different headlights, you got different trims, you got different colors. Uh, That's kind of the same thing. Like, I mean, every job is, you know, when you're doing the post side things like myself, finishing and coloring there, that is a, you know, that is a skill that there is a, there is a, there is an A, A to Z that you have to go through, but that A to Z is not a straight line ever um and the, the good thing is like after after doing it long enough you know how to navigate the non-straight line and then try to straighten it out yourself <laughs> so um w- you know do i get jobs that are similar to other ones uh, yeah a lot especially if it's the same client if, if i've worked with the same client a number of years most likely we, we develop you know a kind of our own language or our own shortcut language or our own way of emailing something or the way they, you know, an Avid, you'll edit an Avid a certain way that I want you to put things on different layers. Uh, and that, that definitely helps out and that, that makes everybody's kind of life easier where you're not guessing. When I work with brand new clients, like literally never met them before before a week and also now I'm in their facility and I'm working with them and I'm meeting new people at 10 a.m. and by ten I'm supposed to be doing my job 100%. Uh, it takes some time to figure it out but um, you know going back to the whole doing this for a while and working every genre like I've gotten everything thrown at me that I I'm hope that I will have in the future (laughs) too who knows you know I can always see something I've never seen before
0: yeah I suppose that's always it's always possible you meet someone new and and have a new uh, experience and and a lot of What you end up doing is kind of dictated by uh, how the project goes up to that point, right? Because you're kind of one of the last processes to happen uh, before something is finalized. Is that right? Am I understanding kind of the the chain of command well enough?
1: A hundred percent. I mean, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. we always joke that not joke, but we say, you know, especially like, let's say an uh, independent documentary, you know, they could have shot it four or five years ago. They could be shooting it for four or five years constantly then it goes into edit side of things and that takes probably a couple months six months maybe even longer sometimes shorter when it gets in my room it gets in gets in there on a monday by friday i'm supposed to be done and it's supposed to be, that's and when it leaves my hands being the finishing person literally that's what goes on air or to a screen or delivers to netflix or whatever it is so yeah i mean there's a lot that's where kind of like the 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 pressure comes in too and it's also let's be honest the, the post side of things is not the cheapest thing in the world because we have to have i have to have you know good equipment i have to have high-end equipment to be able to do my job so with that cost become you know it obviously trickles down to the client so they might be saving a lot of money for months on end doing you know cutting in, on their own laptop in their bedroom but when it comes to working with me for the the handful of days that we have we have to be on point on target and do things as as, as best and as quick as possible um so yeah it you know it, we are we are, we're, the, we're the last line of defense basically
0: <laughs> so the, the relationship with that person that's really I, I guess running things the person that's in charge is an important relationship because they're conveying to you their wants and desires for how the project is ultimately going to finish up and, and look right
1: yeah and uh, you know that's 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 always a tough challenge too is like I said sometimes I, I, I get a phone call from somebody or an email from somebody on a Monday by Wednesday we're talking on the phone hopefully and, and talking things out figure out all the business stuff then talk about, okay, well, what do you, you know, what, what are you looking to get out of this project? What do you want me to do on it? And then again, it might be a week later and we're done. So it's like never met you before 10 days later, you have a finished project. So, uh, you know, it's a big challenge to be able to, to understand what they're trying to convey. Um, not, not to anyone's fault, but a lot of people don't, know the exact technology that i work with so sometimes they might say something but they kind of mean something else you know someone might be like i want more saturation but the, what they really meant to say was contrast and that's a big difference in my world <laughs> uh, saturation and contrast are two totally different things um so if they say one thing and i just do that one thing as being like a, a button pusher kind of person where they say do this i do that that would be could be a problem but luckily i usually i feel um I feel confident enough that I can talk to them and, and try to figure out what they really mean and then be like, oh, okay, I see what you're saying, but you kind of mean this, right? And they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, good. Now we're on that same lingo and then we try to move forward. So yeah, it's pretty intense <laughs> to try to f- kind of quote unquote, figure out somebody and their project is as quick as sometimes we have to.
0: Do you have people trying to talk to you in uh, Instagram filters or something like that that don't don't understand everything? I can't. I mean, especially
1: uh, about five years ago, I think when Instagram first started really popping, it was like, literally, I'd get people's like, could you make it look like Instagram? I'm like, oh, geez. I'm like, we always joke that someone should make a button called Instagram just because... You know, yes, I can make it look like Instagram because I know what the filters look like. But, you know, that's not that's not a real word. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, and then the funny thing is like, well, which Instagram filter? Because there's like 20 of them. So, you know. Right, right.
0: But yeah. Well, that, that kind of that's that's an interesting question. Something I guess I hadn't really thought of. But do you. More and more, do you have people thinking that they can do what you do because of Instagram and just things like that, where it's like, oh, I can just slap a filter on it and be done; it'll make it look pretty. Do you have people that that are have no idea what they're doing that are like, oh, that sounds fine; I can do that. Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, that's that's the big fight right now. Uh, if anything, with the industry is not only not only do they are they seeing these things because like 20 years ago, no one had Instagram, so they didn't even know that there was this quote unquote cool blue green filter for a picture you know if you went to your local uh cvs or drugstore you might be able to throw on two or three filters that they have on their little machine there but now everybody has a much wider range of views of things so yeah when we get into our world you know they they do have those things and that's a a good thing because at least they know it's available and you know sometimes it's better when they have an idea and they know what they want or they think they know what they want instead of just being kind of quiet and then letting me do something and then, then, then not liking it at the end. I'm like, well, why didn't you you know, speak up? And, and you, if you would have said, make it look like Instagram, I would have done that, but you, we didn't really go that way. Um, <laughs> the other huge thing is with the costs of things coming down now, like softwares, um, you get a lot of high school and college kids coming out of right out of high school and or college. That literally can work on the same exact programs that I work on. You know, I was just talking to another colorist the other day about this. I was like, you know, we, we, he he teaches for one of the local colleges around here, and he's going to bring him in for a tour. And I was like, that's pretty impressive because, like, you know, we're literally working in one of the highest end facilities with the, with quote unquote the highest end machines you can ever have in our industry, and literally you can buy the same thing at home for three hundred dollars. So, or for free, sometimes resolve is, you know, they have a free version now. So you can be working on the same exact software that I work on at, at this level. And you could be, I mean, you, Tyler, you yourself can do this right now. You can download resolve as we're talking right now in 30 seconds and have the same program that I use. So, um, we get, we, you know, the, the thing now is getting a lot of, especially college kids coming out of college and, you know, I don't want to say thinking they can do it but you know they, they're like oh yeah I've worked on resolve I should be, I should get paid this or I should be on this kind of job whatever and granted you might I even say now you know I'm, I'm in my 40s and I'm like you know granted someone might come out of college and be able to hit the buttons quicker than I can but, but there's no way they have 20 years of experience and just sure. not even the experience on the side of using that software or using multiple softwares it's also just client experience you know like I was just talking about before Trying to get a client in, talk to them, and finish their project in ten days, you you, you can't you can't really fathom doing that unless you know how to navigate that situation. Um, so yeah, we get tons of people coming in now and and doing that, and that's kind of the you know, I like working with client you know clients that I've worked with now for fifteen years because we all kind of came up the same way. I'm not really getting, I'm not really getting too many young really young people yet uh, doing stuff. I do get some short films I'll do here and there. Uh, and, and most of the time the, the, the students coming out of college or the, the people who people are real serious about film and television, they, um, they understand that they' they're green and that if they do get somebody like me or, or somebody you know who's been in the business a while, they're usually very um, uh, appreciative of it. the fact that like you know like, holy cow, I got this guy who works on these big shows working on my little independent feature. And as, as for me, I kind of like doing that because I, I don't mind showing people. I like teaching people. I like teaching young kids. But at the same time, it's like um, it's they get to see, they do step back and they kind of like let you guide because they know you know no offense but a twenty three year old coming out of college to tell me how to do my job would be a little you know I guess disrespectful in a way, um, but <laughs> it would certainly be presumptive. Yeah, yeah exactly. Presumptive, but I again, think. you know yeah, what? Yeah. You know, sometimes those confident kids are the ones who uh, you know are the next Spielberg's. Who knows? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I suppose you never know. But that that that, that is an interesting. I suppose saturation of the market almost of people that that have some experience and know the maybe know the software and that sort of thing. But there is that level of expertise that you have, uh, from doing it for as long as you have. And and as you mentioned, just having that relationship, uh, with clients that I think is is important and helps you stand out in an industry that is so saturated at this point. And you've also gotten the opportunity to have that, that longevity where you've seen different iterations of software and you've kind of seen how things began and where it is now that kind of gives you maybe a little bit better context of how to maneuver using the tools that you have.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, perfect example. I mean, everybody, even if you're not in the industry, you've, I'm sure you've heard the words HDR and 4K in the past you know, four or five years and it's getting more and more. In 2003, the big word was HD uh, and to, you know, before that, the big word was digital. You know, in, you know, used to shoot all film. Now we're shooting digital cameras. Now we went from SD to HD. We're going from HD to 4K to HDR color. And like, um, basically, I guess just evolution in, in general, like we always joke now because like there's no such thing as tapes anymore. Oh, I mean, there are, but not really. Like when I when I first started the industry, there was, you know, three quarter tapes and VHSs were still around and Betacam and Digibeta and, and SRs just came out. Now, literally, I haven't I haven't touched a tape machine in probably three or four years. So everything's file delivery now, just like Netflix is, basically. I mean, Netflix used to be DVDs, mailed to your house. Now they're just streaming. Um, so, you know, the people getting out of college now who are 25 years old, literally never touched a tape deck. Don't know exactly what it means to patch a deck to another deck or to route a deck to a deck. They just assume it's all on the side of a computer, which it is now. Um, but going back to, like, having that backbone of... Remembering how, how annoying it was to rewind a tape or to punch into a tape and have it, you know, break the, the video signal and mess it up or something or have the color bars not be correct. Like to know all that stuff and be able to bring that to a client. And just in case something goes wrong, literally, I've gone through 20 years of troubleshooting. You know, it, I've gone through many iterations of things not being correct and learning how to fix them. Uh, you can't just always count on the computer. I mean, the computer is our basis at this point now, but um, you still have to know how to, even even, in, even with the stuff I'm doing on a daily basis, there's still problems, especially with archive stuff. We get footage from 1940s, 1950s, earlier, uh, all different frame rates, from sometimes from uh, around the world where they're, they're 25 frames per second versus 23 and eight. Uh, old stuff is four by three, you know, with the letterboxing on the sides, pillar boxing. So uh, having that experience Gives you all that too. It gives you the what what, what the whole industry's gone through in the past, uh, you know, for me, 16, 17 years. Um, so that's just something you, you can't, you just can't read in a book and you can't just dive in in 2019 and, and know why 4K is what it is, why HDR is what it is, where it came from, what 2K was, what HD was, why those genres are now being pushed out, you know, that, that kind of thing. Like, you just wouldn't know that unless you just lived through it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That, that totally makes sense. It just gives you kind of that that historical context. And uh, even after 20 plus years, would you say that you are still learning and you're still finding new new tricks, new ways to get faster, better at what you do? I, I, even after this time, are right, you still finding that you're getting better at it?
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to. And it's, it's funny, I talked to, you know, talk to anybody else, not anybody else, but you talk to some people who, are in certain industries where it's you know you know i'm not looking down on nine to five people but like you go to work and you punch out at five and then you go home and you play with your kids you do all that stuff is all great i'm not putting any of that down um but you don't have to think about your job for the rest of the night whereas i feel like with our job if i'm not thinking about my job then i'm falling behind in a way so like even when um when i first went freelance last year and uh i didn't maybe i didn't have work for the first three weeks or something like that or had some time off in between jobs my wife makes, makes fun of me all the time. I'm, I'm constantly learning something, whether it's just watching a tutorial online about software that I already know and it's just tips and tricks from somebody else. I mean, I like to do that too. I make tutorials for people. Um, or it's a completely different software that I've never heard of that I want to learn about. And even if it's just a 10-minute thing to say, oh, I didn't even know that was out there, but now it's cool that it's out there. I might not still learn it and it might not even benefit me to learn it, but it's just nice knowing that it's out there. So I think like the the... Ambition to always learn is a good thing. I mean, you know, you can't really ever learn too much, really.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm i with you. And I think that's part of why um, I, I don't know that our jobs are, are terribly similar, but in a certain way, I think it's why we chose jobs that are in more creative fields as opposed to that typical nine to five. It's just because uh, we're wired that certain way, I suppose. And we want to have the kind of, uh, those jobs that are a little bit more ambiguous and a little bit more creative minded and that sort of thing. And there's nothing wrong with, with the other side. There's nothing wrong with being an accountant. Lord knows we need them, but, uh, but we chose these jobs for, for a specific reason, I think.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, we always joke, like we must be insane to do this sometimes, (laughs) you know, when you're working till 2am and then you're actually still excited to be there for some reason, you know, like, then you, t- you go home and tell your friends yeah i worked till 2 a.m or i slept on the couch or whatever and they're like what do you mean who sleeps on the- who sleeps at work who does that i'm like that's normal it's it's practically normal and, and it's something uh it also kind of you know you know in a, in a way it kind of weeds out some people you know people who are aren't quote unquote quote unquote like able to able to accept all that and go with that some people get to the point where they're getting pushed that far and they say you know what this isn't for me. I'm out. Good. Mm-hmm. You know, good for them. Good for us. Good for whoever. You know, that's just their decision. Uh, whereas some of us get pushed to that level and we're like, give me more. And then, you know, when you, when you actually look back, you're like, what am I thinking? Why, why am I doing this? But <laughs> like you, it, you, like you said, people just wired a certain way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've talked a, a little bit about some of the software and some of the tools and and that sort of thing that you have at your disposal. What do you, to you? What are the most indispensable tools that you use on a regular basis? And what are the softwares that have really kind of become uh, the standard that you use across uh, across lots of different projects?
1: Well, I I mean I, I uh, I've been an Avid guy my whole life. I, I basically started on the Avid DS. Uh, I moved over to the Avid Symphony to learn color correction there. Um, then and I have. I still work on Avid all the time. I actually work with Avid at NEB. I do some demonstrations for them. I'm very close to them. I've helped, sort of tried to help develop some of their softwares with them. So I'm very in, you know, kind of in bed with them in the sense that that's like my go-to system. I I like to think I know it inside out. I mean, I probably don't know every single thing about it, but uh, I definitely can uh, handle any kind of work I do with that. And I've, I've done that with documentaries of, you know, the Americans we did on that. You know, so it's definitely... It can handle everything now it's not it's not the biggest visual effects platform so in that case you might move over to something else which i just started learning fusion which is on resolve and like going back to what you're saying before like i'm just i'm literally just learning that in the past couple of months so that's a new software i'm learning um i worked on uh, davinci resolve now a lot too doing color uh, mainly because I it, mean it's it's a great system obviously it's a big big color system and it's also like I said before it's it's free it's free and or only $300 for the whole software so it's kind of hard not to have that I think you know I think pretty much everybody has Resolve at this point um, but another another big uh, software that I uses uh, base light for the company called film light uh, London based company uh, does color correction uh, that's like that Tools really, I mean, it's one of my favorite color correctors. And I do, when I do the demos with Avid, I do most of the time in there with the Baselight Editions plugin that is for Avid. So I get to use one of my favorite color systems on my favorite platform. So it's kind of a win-win there. Uh, so those are kind of the, the tools that I use as like, like every day, that's what I do for a living kind of job tools. And then one of my favorite tools that I use all the time is uh, Cinex tools with the company Cinedec, uh, who I worked very closely with in the past couple of years too which is uh, basically I use it mostly for the uh, insert uh, file in insert file editing insert editing into file sorry messed that up uh, where you can basically you know just take a instead of like going back to what I was saying about using tapes tapes you know now I would say tapes were hard to use and they were annoying to use but the good thing was if I exported a whole show and I need to make one change on the tape I can punch into that tape just at that one spot so if it's only one second change, I could punch right into that one second thing, and it would literally take one second. When we move to file deliveries, which is everything everybody's doing now, um, when you make a certain file, especially like a quick time, let's say it's an hour long quick time, if you have to change one thing, like literally one frame or one second, you have to re-export the whole thing, which if now we're talking about HDR and 4K files, we're talking, you know, it could be an hour and a half to make that file, you mess up one thing, you have to take another hour and a half. Where Cinex came in basically and figured out how to insert into a file which is huge i mean it's really industry changing um and when i found that out a couple of years ago uh, with jane and charles the owners of that they showed me a demo of it and like my mouth just dropped to the floor and i was like wow this is what everybody's been waiting for and like i know so uh <laughs> so uh i've used that all the time now and, and um it saves me so much time like i last i think right around the time we were talking last uh, last time i was doing uh like 24 fixes on, on 24 one hour files. And I had to just reslate it for the date and some other change and then change like the credits or something like that. And again, that would have been at least 24 hours, if not probably about 30 hours to do those files. And that's just me sitting there hitting a bar, hitting a button and watching a bar go by, which I, I would hate to charge a client for that. Like you can charge me to hit a button and watch a bar go by, like that's not fair to really anybody. I mean, it's easy money for me, but it's also just like boring and I don't really want to do that. Um, Whereas with Cinex, I went in there, I think I was done in three hours and I just inserted that one fix into 24 different files using that that plugin and it was done. So uh, that's a huge thing that I like to, that's kind of like, if I had a toolkit of packages that I would offer a client, that would definitely be the top one. That's not like my normal, system of coloring or editing. Uh, mm-hmm. So those are probably like my, my, my main four. And of course I work with Boris and, and, and um, Boris Effects and the Continuum package and the Sapphire package and the Mocha plugins. Um, those are really nice. I like them a lot. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are probably the, the main ones I use.
0: What's the process that you typically go through when you are learning a new software? Like you said, you, you, you went on and you would watch tutorials and that sort of thing. Um, how then do you start to implement uh, maybe a new software or a new technique or something like that after you've watched a tutorial do you kind of uh, a b test it or, or anything like that just to see hey do i like this better do i not like this better what, what, what's that typical process look like
1: yeah i mean uh, you, that you pretty much nailed it on the head there it's it's like like i said going back to avid i know known it for so many years i know it inside out and I, I know how to do things on it that it, it probably wasn't meant to do, like it, it like a certain effect might not wasn't supposed to be used the way I'm using it, but I'm using it that way. So then when I learn anything new off of Avid, uh, away from Avid, I should say, like Fusion, let's say, for, for Resolve, the first thing I do is I try to replicate what I know how to do in Avid. So let's say I know how to paint out a boom shot, a boom that comes in the top of the um, frame in Avid. So what I'll do is I'll say, okay, well, I know the scenario. So I have my scenario. I know what the end product should look like how do I do it now in this new software? And, you know, most of the time, the buttons are similar enough uh, in the sense of like, you know, marking it in, marking it out, you know, doing something like that. It's just the different ways that certain programs do it. And it's really interesting to see the the really finite differences of how a program does it. One program might do it hitting this button. The other program will do it hitting this button. Uh, One will call it one thing versus another. Um, you know things like that so it's kind of like learning that part of it and then also playing and as far as like implementing uh, you know I'm not gonna lie I use I usually do this live in a job where I'm guinea pigging a client of mine (laughs) you know like I usually I will tell them sometimes I'll tell them be like listen do me a favor just chill out for like you know half hour if you can if you know if we have time of course if you (laughs) have time give me a half hour I just want to try this new thing I'm doing because if I get this new thing to work I'm going to save both of us a lot of time down the line and most of the time the clients are cool with that of course if we're on the deadline they say just you know, do it whatever way you can but i've definitely learned a lot of um kind of things in front of people and, and you know it's a little nerve-wracking in that sense but at the same time as long as i'm honest with it i'm not trying to hide the fact that i'm trying to learn something um they appreciate that i'm trying to learn something i mean perfect example is with with cinex where when i uh actually met schneider the, the person who i did that last uh podcast with you with uh me and him when we first discovered cinex uh we had a client that we were working on and we blatantly told them hey we have this new program we want to try it we're going to try it on your show are you okay with that and they said yes go ahead if it doesn't work we'll go back to the old way we did it it took about a week or two to kind of like get iron out all the the details and then once we did it they fell in love with it and they now request it all the time which is awesome because that just means that we kind of like implemented a new workflow based on something we were trying um and as far as me learning it it's 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 usually it's like I said it is either compare it to something I already know or I mean I I tell assistants and anybody coming out of school I said youtube is is the biggest friend you can have right now like if I had YouTube 15 years ago when I was first learning stuff I probably wouldn't have left my house because you could just sit there and get stuck I'm sure we've all gotten stuck in like YouTube holes where you just watch one video and then next one comes up right away next one comes up right away and next thing you know it's three hours later and you just like watch 20 different things um, you can easily do that and and you know big big uh, big appreciation to the, the those people who make the tutorials because you know they don't most of the time I'm sure half of them don't get paid for it they just kind of like to share their knowledge and and then put it out there and I appreciate it and I've done some tutorials and hopefully some people appreciate what I do um, because it's it's the best way to do it. I mean, I don't I don't see reason to, uh, you know, be be competitive on every single level with people, especially if you're just sharing, you know, what what could be kind of common knowledge. Like, I'm not gonna lie, I don't I don't share every single tip and trick I have under my sleeve. That's kind of what I what I have to base my career on. But the, the kind of the basis stuff and like to get people off the ground, I totally you know, the more the merrier. I think.
0: Yeah, no, I, absolutely. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Mike, do you have any projects coming up that, uh, that people should maybe keep an eye out for uh, that, that might be uh, releasing soon or anything? Are you allowed to talk about any of that sort of thing?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, right now I'm working on a Netflix show called Broken. I think I mentioned that before. Um, it's about basically um, products out there in the world that, that um, they, they go beyond just showing what the product is. They, they might show you some good stuff usually they show you some not so good stuff about it and then they go into detail about that that's a four-part series on netflix i don't know exactly when it's going to air but I'm, I'm literally working on episode three right now um three out of four and then i have another netflix job coming up in august i think called business of drugs um and i i know it's about drugs that's all i know <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh yeah I just finished a job called reconstruction america after the civil war for pbs which was uh just aired i think about a, about a couple weeks ago which hopefully got some good reviews and uh I, I know it got some good reviews hopefully it got some good ratings i'll probably work with those, that crew again and then um a job called um, the accidental wolf with um the actor uh arian Moid from succession he's a director on this and it's the second season so i'm coloring that right now which will be released i think it's just web release on his site uh, the um it's the second season so yeah, I got a couple of things going on right now simultaneously, and then uh, we'll see what happens after that.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, we'll be sure to keep an eye out for that and uh, be looking around Netflix and that sort of thing. So, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today, man. It's always a pleasure to get to talk to you.
1: Thanks a lot. Uh, it's great talking to you, guys.